1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast post-season review. We are finally at that time of the year where we have nothing else to talk about. So we have to look into the past to review what on earth went on In the 2022 season, I know some of you may not want to go back there. I am one of those people that does not want to reflect on what went on as a Leclerc fanboy. But before we hear from Tom Bellingham and Katie Fairman, uh, I want to say that this podcast is once again sponsored by Elgato. Our season long partners and the season has now ended, but they're still here making us definitely sound like professionals and look like one too. Uh, so, thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast, Elgato, for the entire season uh, with all of your amazing equipment. Now, Tom Bellingham, Katie Fairman, how are we both? One week now into no Formula One action, uh, are we still sane? same? Yeah, it's good. Um... It's
2: debatable if I was the same beforehand, to be honest. But
3: <laughs> <laughs> true. That's why a lot of people tune in. Yeah, not. It's gone quite quick already. I think um, before we know it, we'll be in testing and um, we'll see if we get another shake up.
1: 97 days to go. You're
3: not counting. Mm -hmm. No, definitely look that
1: up before the podcast. Uh, (laughs) And that's less than 100. So that doesn't feel like a long time now. And you said, Tommy, after the World Cup's done, it's about a month till car launches and stuff, Mm -hmm. no? Yeah, exactly. We're flying. We're absolutely flying. Right, so let's get into a three-word race review. We're not going to do a huge amount because, well, it's, gonna, it's a season review, isn't it? Not a race review. Uh, <laughs>
3: Sorry, Ron Burgundy. Tommy's done a Ron Burgundy <laughs> for me
1: there and put that in the sheet. Uh, three-word season review. At least I worked it out on the spot. Aaron underscore wo one New regulations work. Do we agree? Yes, I do agree, actually. I feel like when you actually look at the cars and how they handled when racing, uh, especially within one second, it it was an improvement. I think, Tommy, you came out with a stat a few races ago saying that it was about 25% more overtakes uh, this year. 30%, according to 30%, boom, uh, than last year, which statistically tells us that it has worked. Um, I know a lot of people argue that or feel like the regulations were there purely to close the gap and don't get me wrong i feel like obviously there was an intention to make the the teams closer uh but then if you look back i suppose in other regulation changes some teams get it right some teams get it wrong and this is the first year of a phase of years uh with these new regulations so to have a few a couple of teams that got it really right isn't exactly the the most crazy thing in the world but the main regulation reason was to allow them to battle more and to be able to go for more than one lap and i think that was the crucial thing i think saudi arabia sticks in my head as one of those races where even though there was a pass they were still within one second and they were still fighting and then there was more battles and and yeah i i I can't say as much as it was a shame to not see midfield teams scoring podiums and stuff but that's more down the performance side when we're looking just at overtaking battling i think it definitely was a step forward
2: no i mean i was really pessimistic when we had these new regulations i was thinking let's be honest, how much much is it really going to shake things up? But as soon as we got to Bahrain, like the first race, obviously Mercedes had their struggles, which I was like, I know Lewis still finished on the podium, but I was thinking, oh, you know, they say every year in testing, oh, we've got a little problem. And then they come and absolutely wipe the field. But um, yeah, that we saw like Haas, like their improvement this year has been amazing, partly as a result of these new regulations. And as you say, we saw more battling. It wasn't just a case of, oh, person A is going to overtake person B and then that's it. Like it would be, okay, well, then they're going to come back in the next corner or the next lap. And yeah, I, I think the the new regulations have worked really well. Um, and I've enjoyed the amount of racing that we've seen this year, both at front in the middle and at the back of the pack as well.
3: Yeah. There's been, uh, I think the people that may have just started watching formula one were spoiled massively last year with the the title battle we saw, which, we may not see again for years a, a battle that good that goes down to the final race with equal points. You know, it's, it rarely happens. I think the time before it happened last year was like in the 70s or something where they were exactly level. So it is a rare occurrence. And I think there was a confusion that the new regulations were there to make shake it up and and that kind of thing. But actually, the, the regulations were there to make racing better and there were more overtakes. Um, you could follow a lot closer. I think there were so many times where I remember watching and it's easy to get lost in the fact that maybe the season wasn't as exciting overall, but you look at some of the moments where you think there's absolutely no way that last year cars would have been able to follow that closely. And like, I remember at the start of the season, one of the reviews we had was from Saudi and it was about battles lasting longer. Um, like you say, because when someone got passed with DRS, you could follow, and then you'd you'd overtake again, and um, there was a few moments uh, I was reminded of this because someone shared it. I completely forgot about it. It was a moment in Austria where the entire—I think there was about five cars from five different teams. Uh, there was a McLaren, an LP, and a Haas, and I, you, you rarely ever see Formula One cars that close for the last few years, just because it's been far too hard to follow. And they were just switching positions every single corner. It was incredible. And uh equally, you know, Silverstone, I think, was a great example of, of the new regulations. That some of the best racing we've ever seen. So in terms of racing, yes. And it puts us in a better at the end of the day, yes, the regulations haven't made it closer, but that was never the um what it was designed for. That will come naturally through the budget cap and teams getting on top of the new regulations and it will get closer. There's always someone that does it and ends up miles ahead. So Yes, I would agree. Good.
1: Oh, what a what a positive sentiment that was. Yes, um,
3: lots of overtakes to talk about.
1: Uh, Toby F one Mu comes in with the question: Twenty twenty two had more overtakes than twenty twenty one. But who, in your opinion, had the best overtake of the season, and why? Question to the panel and Twitter. Would love to see some highlights on this thread. Now, I might come across as a fanboy. <laughs> um, shall i say it first so you're not
3: <laughs> go on charlotte claire ran the outside of hamilton at cops no question
1: not not even a debate insane overtake on old tires as well was it not let's talk about you know the, the full context here he was this was sitting duck territory right this was when we thought it was all over and charlotte Leclerc just was a bit of a beast uh, there is no other overtake that comes even close there, there were some big moments obviously the through goes hamilton thing was probably the most spine tingling one was it the best move no i mean hamilton literally just drove past whilst perez was shoving leclerc off the road so <laughs> yeah. um but yeah leclerc's move around the outside of cops was i mean the camera angle was one of the worst camera angles of the year uh because we didn't really see it did we we were just like oh oh he's he's done it um but yeah leclerc for me
3: yeah, definitely. Um, Leclerc, I think a few honorable mentions. I saw someone in the chat say that all around the outside of Magnuson at uh, yes. Koto was a great move. Mm. And shout out to Joe Guan Yu that was completely missed on the Abu Dhabi coverage. His move around the outside. I know he was on fresher tires, but you don't see many moves into that new corner at Abu Dhabi. A few people tried it and couldn't get anywhere near. Uh, and on the last, I think it was the last lap. Joe goes around the outside of Alex Albon. Very brave. Outbreaks him. Goes around the outside. It's a, it's a beautiful move. But for me, Charles, Charles is clear.
2: Yeah, that is a sexy overtake. Um, I'm going to give an honourable mention to Esty Bestie for his double overtakes at Spa. Don't roll your eyes at cool. me! <laughs> of
3: course you are well, a- any I, reason I, to bring Esty otherwise... Bestie into this that's
2: true did you see actually oh, I forgot about
3: just... that one yeah that was good it did, was good right did you do a yeah. double did you do double overtakes twice. I think he did it. twice did three yeah, three yeah. yeah yeah
2: and I made my three word race review yes the Esty Bestie or something <laughs> oh yeah like that. that was it a... but off topic of the overtake did you see that he replied to a comment on Instagram and said you okay hun and loads of people tagged me in it and was like oh my god it's just two worlds colliding with of Bestie and, and wait what
1: was he replying to
2: um, Lando Norris or something. Oh, but yeah, I was like, wow, he's he's learnt well. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, Esteban Ocon and his double double overtake was really good. Um, and then yeah, I would say Kota with Vettel and Magnussen. There was also well, it depends like how you want to define the overtakes, but like the DRS chicken that Max and Charles were playing in Saudi was crazy and all that kind that of stuff. That was mad, so, not it? Yeah, that seems like a lifetime ago though.
1: Yeah, that was a good time. When Leclerc was leading the world title and And it was uh, over. Yeah, it was over. You know, even even I don't want Leclerc to win with eight races to go. Yeah. (laughs) Never twitting that ever again. Even if Leclerc's a two hundred point lead, I am never twit jeez, what have I done? Um but yes, there were some very decent empty. I think, yeah, I don't wanna I think Leclerc definitely was number one, but I would put Vettel's move very close to number two, to be fair. I don't think Leclerc's actually as clear as I remember watching that on board from Vettel when he was absolutely on the edge of grip and everything going round the outside then was, was sensational. So, uh, yeah, Vettel comes a very close runner-up, um, but still Leclerc. Uh, Katie, what's your three-word re- uh, season review, please?
2: Oh, minute it again. Yeah. So... I had to go for an FIA one, didn't I? Because I couldn't not. Um, so I've gone for not much better, which is a season review, which is pretty sad to be honest, because Obviously, we had Michael Massey depart the role of race director. That was a huge storyline over the winter break last year. And we came into 2022 and the FIA decided to go for a slightly different approach. So they hired two race directors, which would take all the pressure off one person, which is what we thought. But actually, it was just that they would alternate the role between races. So there was still all the pressure on one person at each race, but it just changed from race to race or whatever. And that kind of didn't really work out because then the consistency side of things was still relevant because they might've said, okay, well, Niels Vitage said two weekends ago that we could do this, but now, you know, Eduardo saying actually we can't. And so there was still a consistency issue. And in the end they just stuck with Niels and he did the final few races, but um, yeah, there was just still, so many moments of as we said like inconsistency whether that's awarding penalties or um, what people can get away with we had mess up still in qualifying I think it was Checo in Austria off the top of my head where you know he had that whole deleted lap time and then it wasn't and then it wasn't like it just was so messy and it seems as though the season's gone on. I mean, can talk about the fricking recovery truck in Japan for goodness sake, like that was just a sickening moment. But I, I had really high hopes that we could come into 2022 with these new regulations, a sort of overhaul in the FIA. We had a new FIA president this year as well and it just feels like the relationship between the FIA and Formula One is more fragile than we've ever seen it before. And I know that there have been murmurs throughout the season so far that perhaps that there could be sort of a a rebellion with the F1 teams and the FIA not wanting to sort of be under that banner of the FIA anymore. Whether that will happen, who actually knows? It might just be chatter. But yeah, it's I'm a bit sad that it feels like the FIA hasn't taken this opportunity to sort of build themselves and make themselves stronger. And instead we finish a season with maybe not the same sort of controversy that we had finishing Abu Dhabi last year, but still there's just a bit of a sour taste in everyone's mouth and that it feels, it's not quite as good as we know it can be.
1: I think realistically, when we look at this year and look at all the mistakes that have happened and whatnot, it's clear to see that Michael Massey wasn't the problem. Now, Michael Massey was the problem in terms of Abu Dhabi specifically in 2021 and how that all went about. But the actual structure within the FIA clearly has not changed from last year. Not like they've promised the restructuring, the formula one VAR and all of this stuff, the football video assistant referee type thing that they said they were going to introduce all this stuff to allow for more consistent stewarding hasn't happened now, I, I don't know whether it's a lack of funding or whatever, but for me, yeah, Michael Massey was, I guess, a bit of a scapegoat for last year in the sense of like, you know, he is at fault he had for everything last year. But we moved to this year. We've had two race directors, which they alternate rather than I thought they were going to be together. I thought together, they were share like the role, and I was like, that makes so much more sense. Yeah. yeah, but instead they were alternating, which still for me is one race director and therefore what's the difference um if anything you then have a lack of consistency between the two uh so yeah there, there's so many things that obviously we we've, we've touched upon over the year you know as you say corner cutting track limits sending out tractors you, you know inconsistent penalties um they 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 just clearly don't have enough resource to cover formula 1 and 20 drivers doing you know you have to monitor them because they will take the mickey. That's like it's clear children. to see. You've got to
2: keep an eye on them all the time.
1: 100%. And if they're getting away with... I mean, I think some of the drivers said that some people get caught, some people don't for track limits and qualifying. That shouldn't be the case. Just, yeah, okay, if they're lacking money, they need to find more money. They need to be talking to Formula One and go, look, if you want us to police this properly, we need more people, more eyeballs to, to really assess this because it's not good enough. It, it really isn't because... If we have another close championship fight and then we get these inconsistencies, it just brings this the whole reputation of the sport again into question. So they were lucky that it was a bit of a clean sweep this year.
3: Yeah, I think they've definitely been saved from controversy. The fact that there was never a, a title fight and the reason that, like you say, Massey was it was so controversial uh, with this, with the screw up was was the fact that you know decided a, a world championship and you think after that huge um, screw up and uh, scandal basically that they'd they'd fix things and it doesn't look like it's any better it shows that Formula One is an extremely hard uh, kind of sport to manage because it's a lot of the things aren't clear cut you know even us guys argue sometimes between. Um, decisions and what what we think is right. And no doubt, you know, look at Abu Dhabi with the whole Science Hamilton thing. Some people say, no, it was a fair move. Some people say, it's not a fair move. So like that stuff, you can understand that you're never going to please everyone. But little things, I say little things, massive things like screwing up the world championship a decider even though it was early but like you know max being crown champion he was going to get crown champion extremely early and just um how they messed that up it was just like how have you done this again it was it was shocking really
1: twitch chat have just blessed me because they saw me uh sneeze on mute so thank you twitch chat um, we are live on twitch wtf on official if you don't follow us already um but yes fia what okay let's let's put a question out there what what especially you so Katie. you sleep with the rule book um what would you change how would you make the structure better uh from a fan fia perspective
2: i would have the role of race director shared between more people not just one person at a race weekend i mean practically the amount of times that like i've seen something like a I don't know, incident on the TV and I've sat and talked with my, like with my brother and he's gone, well, actually I see it in this way. You see it in that way. Like sometimes it's not as just clear cut. Like, I know everyone has opinions, but sometimes, guess what? Your opinion can change on something when you get given more information or you see things in a different way. And so I think by having maybe a team of three, not suggesting us three, because, Greg, that would just be Come mayhem. On. Here we go. But um, Leclerc, having... no, does not
1: deserve that penalty. No, absolutely not. In fact, give him 50 more World Championship points. Thank you.
2: Um, yeah, well... <laughs> And maybe, you'll be like, S. Yeah,
1: S. Yeah, Bestie the- <laughs> needs
2: to win the world title. Esti <laughs> Bestie gets to go through the tunnel every lap and <laughs> win the race by 10 minutes. Um, no, I think, yeah, sharing that role is a really important thing and a step. Better communication, I know I spoke about that as well throughout, you know, this whole issue with Max winning the championship and everyone like, has he won? Hasn't he won? Like, not even Max knew. The FIA official on the ground knew and said, yeah, this is legit, you've won it. But that should be also there should be somebody that's relating that with the commentary teams the journalists I know that there's the argument well you know people should be doing their own research and should know the rule book as well but just having that one person that can pop things in a chat to be like oh by the way if Leclerc gets this penalty then Max will win you know this kind of thing um and yeah I don't know maybe getting a a actual former racing driver within the race director team or something like that
1: for the head of FIA is that what you're saying absolutely I
2: wouldn't be against it I'll say that much but then I do understand that people are conflicted with getting a permanent racer there because you might be like well they might have bias without even realizing it and that kind of thing so yeah either way the FIA is always going to be a really tricky path to navigate but um it is frustrating because the FIA I know I rant about them all the time but it's like split into so many different elements there's obviously the stewarding and all that kind of stuff but the amount that the FIA does for the safety in our sport like is just incredible and I feel kind of bad that you know every week I seem to come on here and moan and complain about that but at the end of the day I'm still so grateful for everything that the FIA does because without them you know we'd be we could be in a really really awful situation with maybe some incidents we've had this year like they're always paving the way for safety in our sport and I will never not be incredibly grateful for them for that but it's just a shame that like the stewarding side of things is often where people's mind go when they go to FIA rather than the other amazing work that they do so
1: And of course, putting a tractor on the track. Uh, That was something that, you know, they will hopefully never do again uh, for the safety of our sport. But I completely get it. You know, they are always taking steps forward, learning from incidents. And, you know, they have processes where if someone has a big crash, they'll always assess it and whatnot. So, um, yeah, they have done a lot of things right. I think as well, it, it's we are well within our right to complain when <laughs> the sport isn't run uh, probably as optimally uh, as uh, as it should, especially with F one being the pinnacle of motorsport. Um, Tommy, any other thoughts from you, mate? You look like you're really uh, pondering something.
3: No, it was kind of I think Katie's summed it quite well. For me, it's I don't even think it's the like fifty. I, I can't personally complain about the fifty fifty decisions and things that you know some some people get it right it's a difficult sport to to manage a lot more difficult than other things it, it is the stuff like uh, you know japan was the biggest low in terms of things they did it was it was shocking how they managed to one with the obviously the worst of it was the uh, the tractor on, on the track but then also just to completely um balls up another moment uh where the the title was decided is just yeah just not not great
0: Press line.
1: Uh, hey what a great season uh moving <laughs> on oh here we go <laughs>
3: speaking of what a great season
1: oh tommy why don't you do your three word race review then i yeah. wonder what it's gonna be
3: about. <laughs> i wonder what yours is about <laughs>
2: yeah, um,
3: yeah mine is the Stappen different league sorry matt <laughs> cover, cover your ears now um yeah i mean it's been an incredible year for Verstappen. I didn't think we'd be here after uh, what was it, Australia, when he had the the two DNFS. Was a long way behind in the title, and I can't believe we're sat here with him. You know, he won the title by nearly 150 points. Um, got 15 wins. Anything else? Did Anything? To, I mean, you have to keep going. <laughs> keep going. Uh, do we yeah. Need, do we need your record books? How many polls?
2: How many I mean,
3: is, yeah, yeah, but. For me, I think it 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 will look back as one of the um, seasons where Verstappen really put himself um, in in a category of the very best in Formula One, and people say, you know, it's far too early, and I would agree to you know put him extremely high up in the season, but he's got uh, a car now. To deliver i don't even i would argue that it's not even it's not an extremely dominant car it's a very good car don't get me wrong and i'm not here to argue that it's not the best car but i think what verstappen did this year was uh extremely impressive and i think a lot of the drives were very different and i think that's where he stepped up his game for me some would argue that it was because he wasn't racing lewis hamilton which we saw in brazil uh how he raced hamilton but um, there were things like at Spa, for example, I've never seen a win from 14th look so easy. And in previous seasons, Verstappen would have tried to dive up the inside at turn one, make as many positions up at the start, probably burn his tires out. And he was just measured and calculated equally. Mexico was another um, race, underrated really, that you know he was just managing that consistency. And we saw another side to, to Verstappen that, I just think uh, is extremely impressive, and to get 15 wins uh, in a season, regardless of how long uh, the the kind of how many races there are now, it's still a percentage that's not too far off Uh, Vettel in 2013 and Shumi in 2004 2004. or two. I can't remember which one it was. 2004. Yeah. Um, So yeah, just still uh, the highest percentage. Matt's
2: got
3: the (laughs) tattoo on his back. Still the highest percentage. Yeah. Very very impressive
1: yes absolutely outrageous you know i joke oh, you know leclerc fanboy and whatever but um the the harsh reality has been that if verstappen has a good car there is very little um people in the world that can beat him uh on his day uh he has that relentless consistency that we've seen hamilton have over the years as well in in the mercedes um and Yeah, I mean, very, very few errors, both from himself and also from the team. It was just such a bulletproof outfit this year. You know, the fact that Singapore happened and there was a disaster in qualifying, everyone was up in arms about it. Max was up in arms about it because it never, ever happens. And yet look at the reaction he had when it when it did happen. Some people say it was out of order, but, you know, he demands the absolute best from his team uh, and he's very much got that. Uh, entire team sort of whipped into shape. Ferrari, on the other hand, I'm sure we can get into uh, at a later date in this podcast. But yeah, Max has been sensational. He, definitely the best driver of the year. Um, he his his way of driving against Charles, and I, I I will not hear anything else. Is very different to how he drives Lewis Hamilton. There is a different level of respect there. Uh, I I genuinely I don't I just. Hamilton and Verstappen, you know, we don't really need to talk about too much because they didn't really race that much this year. Uh, But when they did, they crashed. Uh, And it's insane to think that um, those two just... And it's not just one or the other, it's both. They're both willing to just... Oh, if we make contact, we make contact. Whereas Leclerc and Verstappen at the start of the year, they were essentially each side of the track, giving each other the largest amount of space you could possibly think. And it was just clean, almost two measured racing. You know, it was like, oh, come on, guys, a little bit of a wheelbang here That's and there would be nice. You, but no, there was, it was, it was <laughs> uh, incredibly respectful racing. Um, but look, I, you can dive into the psychology behind that all you want. Um, but Yeah, I feel like maybe the learnings as a Leclerc fan, as we'll get into shortly, uh, is that there needs to be a bit more of an edge to Leclerc's racing, in my opinion. Uh, And of course, he kind of learned that originally when he was pushed off, kind of pushed off in Austria and lost the win uh, to Verstappen then. Um, But yeah, back to Max. Unreal. Too good. Hope he's not as good next year, because otherwise it it could be a few years of pain for anyone other than a Red Bull fan
2: anyone other than Tommy uh yeah no I mean without just echoing what you guys have said you know this is a proper classic year like we'll look back I think when Verstappen retires which might not actually be that far away he's saying you know once his contract runs out at the end of 28 that maybe that's it like we just won't do another one so it'd be 31 then um we'll probably look back at 2022 and be like yeah do you remember how dominant he was this that year and Um, we do that like you say with people like Schumacher and Vettel and stuff and it seems crazy to think that we have just witnessed that season like it's just gone by in such a flash but no he was um, just totally in another league I mean somebody did say in the chat which is also true let me see if I can find your name Jolie said um, that Max did make errors which is true you know you mentioned Singapore obviously the qualifying wasn't great because of this not having enough fuel but throughout the race, he made a few mistakes here and there. He dropped back at the start. And then, you know, when he was trying to overtake Norris, ended up having a huge lockup going down an escape road. Spain had that mysterious gust of wind at the start of the race, which sent him into the gravel track, which Carlos Sainz also had. Um, and yeah, there are a few others dotted around, but they are rare. And the other thing is that when something did go wrong, apart from obviously in Bahrain and in Australia he was like most of the time able to recover it back so yeah max has just yeah, got this won in spain, insane <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that, that, comment, exactly. that
3: comment from jolly is is uh max max's errors of season hungary singapore and spain and he won two of those races which is, exactly. which is crazy yeah and he's think, in in a 23 in hungary.
1: race season a 23 race season he's had a couple of spins and a big lockup they're like, well, he did make he did make mistakes. <laughs> he uh, did
3: go off in FP3, and yeah. uh, <laughs> that's when you know that someone's been uh, dominant, isn't it? When you, mm. you see the the people doing compilation videos, and it's a, a stretch to try and find things.
2: Very true. So yeah, well done to Max because that was very dominant. And yeah, will his record of 15 wins in a season ever be beaten?
1: yes
3: Maybe Leclerc, next year 16
2: oh, I was gonna say, max next year
3: <laughs> yeah when, when there's a 40 race season in six years time yes probably <laughs>
2: yeah
3: that's true that's, that's so true right uh, next question
1: gene nabin do you think Verstappen's season was less as or more dominant than some of hamilton's championships in the last couple of seasons max did win a lot of races but he wasn't 30 plus seconds ahead of second place as we have seen from hamilton quite often I wouldn't say it was as dominant as Hamilton personally. Um, I don't feel like the Red Bull was as clear as the Ferrari, as the Mercedes has been of other cars in in seasons gone by. Um, yeah. there always seemed to be something to kind of play for uh, in a lot of the races, especially at the first half of the season. Ferrari were the quickest car, in my opinion, of course they tailed off tire degradation was a big thing. Um, But no, I I wouldn't put Verstappen's season here. As much as he won the championship by an absolute gargantuan margin, the races weren't exactly a slam dunk every single time.
2: Yeah, no, I think it depends on whether you want to compare the guys as drivers or if we're including the machinery as well in there. Because as you kind of mentioned, the Red Bull was very strong at certain parts of the season. But as we mentioned at the start of this, like it's new regulations and maybe Red Bull had the advantage of building a car that was the better package than everyone else in the field. So that naturally made Max, like gave him a bit of a pedestal. Or no, that's the wrong word, but like a bit of a step up to the others and his competitors and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. It's tricky because I, when you say about more dominant or less dominant, like the big thing is the car. rather I would say rather than the driver. So... I'd say it's quite difficult. To Katie comes
1: out and says Formula One is about the car, not the driver. The Stappen fans <laughs> enraged.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think it's quite unfair to compare the two. So I'm just going to sit on the fence and say that they both did a great job. And God, stars <laughs> for you both, boys.
3: <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah, it's for me, the car wasn't as dominant as maybe a Mercedes that we've seen in. I want to say 2020 in the 2014 to 2016 era. Um, It seemed more like one of those seasons where you could, you could say maybe like a Hamilton season in 2018, where, you know, he's annihilated his teammate. He's, he's been uh, won a lot of races, wrapped up the title really early. And you would say that it's the best car of the season, but not absolutely hands down the best car of the season. So I'd compare it to something like that. Um, so I made an interesting point, uh, WC Racing fan, that's saying about, you know, we Max did win a lot of races, but he wasn't 30 seconds ahead of uh, second place. Uh, Suzuka, when Max built a 28-second lead um, in a 27-minute race, was obviously one of the um, standout, standout things. But I think a scary thing for a lot of uh, non-Verstappen fans and just how the season went is the fact that the, that start of the season it was quite clear that the car wasn't really suited to his driving style yet and yet he won races he was winning nowhere near as much as he was winning at the end like the end was just ridiculous i mean he won almost every single race the last half of the season um but the fact that he was constantly saying you know the car's not there yet it's more favored to to perez yet he was they winning races and things and performing extremely well, which is uh, a concern that I think we even said last year, and even in 2020, Max's consistency, imagine what it's like him getting a car that's capable of actually challenging for the world title, and this is it, winning by 150 points. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's very scary, his age and how much more years he's got ahead of him, whether it's going to be a lot. Uh, we're yet to see, but yeah, scary,
1: very scary indeed. Uh, Rebel won the last nine out of ten races. Uh, despite Bonotto saying, Why couldn't we win all of the last ten races? and Ferro yeah. didn't win one, yeah, is- and Mercedes
3: got the other, so yeah, what yeah, that incredibly badly aged great that
0: Oh,
1: dearie me, there's a lot of speculation, isn't there, about um, Bonotto's future. Let's see if something comes of that in the uh, coming days. Um, Next question. Kian LFC 03. Everyone hated Vettel for how dominant he was in 2013. Now we praise it. Will it be the same for Max and this year in 10 or so years? Personally, I think it will. I mean, yeah, unless you are a Verstappen fan that enjoys domination. Like when I was younger, I used to love a Shumi domination. I'd sit back at 12 years old in 2004. Ah, oh, dear. Another Shumi masterclass. But yes, I think that a lot of the majority of people want to see close racing. And unless unless the majority of fans were Verstappen fans, where I don't think they are, there are 20 drivers on the grid. Uh, everyone just wants to see close racing. They want to see a, a close fought championship fights for P1. Um, yeah, I think when you're in the moment, you're frustrated and you're like, oh why did he have to win by so much why couldn't it have been a level point decider going into the final race but in five ten years you go wow Verstappen was really good wasn't he 15 wins blah 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 what an amazing thing but did he get most polls no Charles Leclerc did what a performance
2: somehow.
1: but yes I think that uh, Verstappen's performance this year was, uh, was unbelievable and, and people will praise it uh, they praise it now, but more people will praise it in the future when they're not in the moment of frustration.
3: Yeah, it's it's frustrating to watch. I mean, you mentioned Schumacher. That was probably some of my least enjoyable years watching Formula One. I didn't particularly dislike Schumacher. I just was bored of him dominating. And now I look back and I can watch highlights and go, oh, my word, Michael Schumacher was one of, if not the best driver of all time. So. You look now, (laughs) but you, but you look at that and it's, it's incredible to watch now. Um, But when you're living it, especially after we've just come off the back uh, the season before uh, where it was incredibly close and we saw this incredible title fight, you totally understand why fans are a bit like, Oh God. I mean, I mentioned it earlier, Verstappen won from 14th in Spa and it was like the least surprising thing ever. I think all of us predicted that he would win the race <laughs> in the prediction of him starting 14th. When does that ever happen? Um, and yeah, it's just, we won't really, yeah, look back on it fondly, non-Verstappen fans, until either he's retired or um, you know later down the line and we go, that was such a superb season because at the end of the day, we're formula one fans who want to see great exciting racing and and close battles so um it's understandable but that's just the way formula one works
2: it's true and even with domination like obviously hamilton has come off the back of being so dominant these past few years and then well i don't know if i can speak on behalf of all f1 fans but certainly having them on the back foot this year when there was the opportunity, I was rooting for a Hamilton or a Russell win because it's something different, you know? And it's so stupid to say because we've just had Mercedes dominance and winning the Constructors' Championship eight years in a row. And then there's a chance for me to be like, oh, come on, we might get Mercedes win It might be something different. Like, come on, cheering Mercedes as the underdog. Like, it's just so daft. But, How yeah, has that happened? I, it's crazy, eh? But, um, yeah, I yeah, think... not
3: like
2: anyone with, thought that was coming. No, anyway, shut up, Matt. <laughs> no.
3: Okay, you can um, milk that one in the predictions podcast. Yeah, yeah. Broken clock is right twice a day. It's true, but
2: um, with Vettel as well. I think it's important to note that his arc, maybe as a person, it's maybe one of the reasons why people look back at it so fondly. Is you know, obviously Vettel, for those that know him, always said, "Oh, he's a really good guy" and this kind of thing. But maybe he was almost villainified because of his winning all the time and these four back-to-back championships, and now he's not winning, which breaks my heart, but it's true. Um, You know, he's kind of, people are talking about him for other reasons than just winning every single race again and again and again. And he's now using his platform to talk about, you know, social and environmental changes that he wants to discuss and that kind of thing. And I think that's really like unlocked a special place for him in people's hearts. Whether Max will do the same later on in his career, I don't know. but I think that's one of the reasons why so many people now look back at Vettel's dominance with a real like fondness and being like, yeah, do you know what? He was really good. Because at the time, I mean, like with the pictures that the drivers booed. would take. Yeah, yeah, he was getting booed. I mean, imagine if like Vettel went onto a podium now and people booed him. Everyone would be like, oh my gosh, what the hell are you doing? But like, you know, and the whole Vettel finger that he did, which for all listeners that might not know, that's going to sound really weird. But like his celebration of just like holding up his, this is your index finger, right?
3: Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I did biology at school, everyone. Um, but, you know, everyone was like, oh, God, he's so annoying when he does that. I hate him. Ugh, all this kind of stuff. And now, like, as his send off, everyone's doing it and looking back and being like, oh, yeah, I remember when he did that. Oh, God, like, that was so iconic. Like, it's amazing how much ch- time can change people's perception of things. So there okay, go. that's a very long answer to a- your question, Kian.
1: <laughs> amazing. Good stuff. Uh, There's a comment from Bankai in the chat. Hello, Bankai. Uh, it says, I'm super fine with Max Verstappen's domination this year. A lot of people were trash talking if he deserved winning over Lewis Hamilton last year. I think it's rather obvious now. Well, let's not talk about 2021. I think it's shut up a lot of the haters that said that, oh, he couldn't win a world title properly or whatever because he's shown again. I mean, he des- both drivers deserve to win the championship in 2021. This year, Max Verstappen absolutely deserved to win the title. So uh, he is uh, a two-time world champ who isn't a world champ and who haven't been world champions since 2007 are Ferrari. Let's get into my three word race review. Hype train derailed. Season (laughs) uh, (laughs) review. That makes, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we don't make hype train uh, hoodies ever again uh, for Ferrari because, well, uh, look, watch them go fastest in testing and I'll be back. Don't you worry. Yeah. Um, but well, yes. they love a fastest in testing. So they oh, like oh, Ferrari
2: yeah. flags. <laughs> Give
1: me more of that. I want that hopium, copium, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but yes, um, it's been a struggle to watch as a Ferrari fan uh, for for a few reasons. I think one is false hope. And the first three races of the season, Leclerc's in the lead of the championship by was it 47? I think he was the head of Verstappen at the time. Uh, and then Verstappen produced the best championship comeback ever and then won by 100 and whatever points you said, Tommy. Um, so that's depressing. But also, yeah, I think it's just as a Ferrari. I think it may well have been the the hardest Ferrari fan year for a very long time, just purely because they looked like they could win a lot of races at the start of the year. I think I said at the very beginning of the pod, uh, like of our podcast series at the at the start of the year it was like Ferrari need to make the most of this car right now. They have to be scoring wins, podiums, not making many mistakes. Um and to be fair, at the end of the day it didn't really matter. They could never have won the world title um with the car that they had at the end of the year, but the fact that especially Leclerc kept getting pole. Ferrari had 12 poles this year. And to only score four victories.
2: Oh, that hurts.
1: Ah, yeah. We'll get into some questions, but what's your first thoughts on the hype train derailing, guys?
2: Well, you mentioned that it had all started since we did the hype train merchandise, but you could argue that it was actually baby Grace that was the problem. So I've already
1: had words. I've had yeah. words with Grace one to one. I said, to her, okay. don't you dare do that to a season ever again.
2: Yeah, no Christmas presents for you, Grace, otherwise. Uh, Uh, But, yeah, poor Grace. She's just so innocent. She's got no idea. She's not innocent.
1: There's no innocence there. She's ruined the entire season.
2: Yeah, okay.
1: Well, you know, stop using your powers against Ferrari. They've got enough powers against themselves already. We don't need more.
2: True. But, yeah, it's kind of a sad case because, like you say, with Ferrari – you know, it it is the saying of so close yet so far, like you almost felt like you had your fingertips on the world championship trophy at the start of the season and then slowly getting further back and further back and more out of reach. I think the strategy obviously of Ferrari has been the big talking point of the year. Bonotto's come in and kind of not really gone for like a full blame, like angry man, shouting at everyone, making everybody fearful of their jobs if they make mistakes. But actually, as sometimes as toxic as that behaviour might be in a team, maybe that's the kind of thing that you need because maybe Benotto's softer approach just means that, yeah, the championship's fallen apart and is not salvageable.
1: Isn't, um, is it, am I right in saying that Toto Wolf is putting the W13 in the lobby of the Mercedes I'm, HQ? I'm just going to yeah. say, they yeah. do yeah. this People. every
2: year. I don't get why he's making a big deal of this.
1: But I guess this one... That they didn't win the constructors, I guess the last but eight. But they years put they everyone the in
2: the reception. I've been lucky for yeah, they won the last eight. Yeah, to... but they won
3: the last. I guess they've won the last eight. So eight years of constructors. Yeah. Titles. but so
2: they're just going to put another car in the reception.
3: I guess they could technically leave the winning one, yeah. in reception, but. Yeah, I get, I get, I know what you mean. Like, it's easy for them to go. I mean, this is a big reminder. Space. If
2: I don't put a car there, they're going to have to have a big flower arrangement or something to put something <laughs> it's there instead last of a car. car
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's
1: just a flower arrangement. We didn't want to put the rubbish car there.
3: Yeah, it's, it's funny that they put the car there. They're like, this is a reminder of like the bad times. And then, literally, if you've ever been to Mercedes, just you could go three spaces to the right, and it's a wall of trophies. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: so. Sorry, Tommy,
3: your point. Yeah, for Ferrari, you know, this, uh, you know, I've not hidden that I wanted Verstappen to win the title, but I I think it's a shame that we didn't see um, Ferrari closer because, you know, they're a legendary team. For me, I absolutely loved the start of the season watching Verstappen, Leclerc going wheel to wheel. I mean, Bahrain and Saudi, what a setup that was for for the world championship thinking we're going to get this every single race them switching positions having battles for the lead every single week it was amazing um ultimately yeah look ferrari didn't have the pace or the 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 race pace basically to to carry on for the season i mean you look at the start of the season leclerc needed to All Leclerc could have done really is finish second to Max in a few races. Spain, Azerbaijan, he might have won, and he retired, which was a huge amount of points. Yeah, Spain, Spain, one hundred percent. Azerbaijan is a bit more. Mm. Uh, He was definitely finished second, but anyway, when it gets to Silverstone, it's pretty much over, which is insane to think. Um, And then obviously Max ends up winning pretty much every single Grand Prix, so they. I, I just hope that they come back and can actually yeah have a have a proper challenge because it was great at the start to see Ferrari back at the front. Um it's where they belong. Maybe it's because I'm nostalgic and grew up um in that era where Ferrari were really good, but it just feels right for Ferrari to be at the front battling for for victories and wins. So it was great to see. But sadly, yeah, just too many mistakes, too many um you know when it wasn't reliability issues it was unbelievably poor strategy and even if it would have only got them second i just don't think it's been great for team morale because they've become a bit of a joke really uh that that's the most disheartening thing is if they'd have just performed well not made all these mistakes Claire would have probably finished 50 points behind Verstappen in the title. And you can say, what a great year. We pushed, you know, we've we've gone from not even competing for wins to getting a few victories, finishing second in the World Championship comfortably, second in the Constructors. What a season. And actually, the biggest memory of the season will be the Ferrari pit wall clown meme. So, not good. Yeah,
2: that time's... Matt, are you all right there? <laughs> yeah,
3: I just thought you were going to add to it,
1: you know, add to the, the misery. But
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
2: You suffered enough. That would be too mean.
0: Cool.
1: All right. Um, F1 Jake <laughs> 16. Why did Ferrari only win four out of 22 races with the second fastest car? Arguably the first fastest car for a lot of the uh, the first few races, for sure. Um, well, Tommy's already touched upon it. Strategy was terrible. Leclerc definitely should have won Silverstone. Obviously, the car blowing up in Spain.
2: Why did they not pit Leclerc? Spain,
1: sorry. Um, Why did they not pit Leclerc? Yeah, Yeah, why didn't they pit Leclerc? That's Um, etched into
2: my brain forever, thanks.
1: Yeah, and mine. Uh, Of course, Baku, yeah, debatable as to whether he would have won that or not. But as you say, Tommy, definitely finishing second. Uh, There's just so many. Hungary, he could have definitely won that, but they stuck him on hard tyres. Yeah. Was statistically and in Shocking. the data, everyone knew. Everyone knew before they even put that tire on. I'm not. I'm, I'm getting back in that. I'm getting back in the zone. You're back to 10. Hungary, and I'm like, oh! but um, <laughs> some some of the strategy calls were so. Yeah, Monaco. Miller just says in the chat. Monaco. Yeah, that was a that should have been a Leclerc victory.
3: Yeah, that would have been a Leclerc so win. So many
1: should have, would have, coulders, but I think Ferrari should have at least come out of this season with eight wins, no less than that. Because yeah, whether it's through the reliability or strategy, uh, and Leclerc, we'll see how he acts now moving forward. Are Ferrari going to get new leadership? That's something that's very much up in the air at the moment. Will that? Okay, all right. Well, uh, look after my boy. All right, good. Yeah, Um, I'm going to let him
2: join Mercedes. (laughs) Let him go. I I think that.
1: (laughs) <laughs> changes changes do need to happen at yeah, Ferrari 100% do. after this year uh it's not good enough does it just need to be the figurehead that changes I don't think so there needs to be more within the strategy team etc but yeah that's up for them to work out uh I don't think anything else to really add to that because we've already talked about strategy anything either of you want to touch not upon really no thank no, you just... Tommy thanks cheers yeah just let's just move on never happened um <laughs> peace corner lease no joke Why did Ferrari mess up strategy so many times? (laughs) And why was Carlos the only driver to go against them? Thankfully, this is the final question about Ferrari. But this is an interesting point, that Charles Leclerc blindly trusted Ferrari this year, which, to be fair, okay, I can understand to a certain degree. A driver has to trust his team for certain decisions because at the end of the day, the team have more data and more information than what the driver does in the cockpit. However, Carlos Sainz showed this year that going against your team sometimes is absolutely the right decision, especially if it feels like within the car, that's the wrong decision. No, I'm not going to do it. Carlos did it at Monaco, finished yeah. ahead of Leclerc. Carlos did it at Silverstone, won the race. And yeah, I'm happy that Carlos got a victory, but my God, was that the worst victory he could have ever won. Like It was, it was one of the worst wins, just because of all the mistakes he made and, and whatnot. But it worked out for him uh, because he went against the team and made the right decision there, No, come on, get me in that pit. Lovely. right? Yes, i I'm I'm going to win. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not going to hold up the rest of the field. Leclerc's an ailing donkey in front of me on old hard (laughs) tyres. Leclerc's not the donkey. His car, you you know what I mean. Um,
2: No, you've got him a donkey, it's too late now. I'm clipping that and sending that to Charles.
1: (laughs) Leclerc definitely was the better of the two Ferrari drivers this year, but Sainz was better in having that tenacity and that, no, jog on, Ferrari. I'm not having one of your stupid strategy decisions. I'm going to take it into my own hands. And he he gained from it. So I think, I hope we see Leclerc's villain era next year uh, because he needs to. He needs to not be such a, a lovely guy, which you don't want to take that away from him. But also whip that team into shape or you need to move somewhere else.
2: We did see some very sarcastic, snappy team radios from Charles towards the end of the year. So as long as he doesn't lose that over the winter break and brings that new attitude, I mean, if if we are to believe the rumors are true and that Bonotto is going and that maybe somebody like Fred Vasser might take that position, although I think it'll be good generally for Ferrari. Like, don't forget, Fred and Charles have a history, obviously, through karting, through Formula 3, Sauber. Like, they've worked together in the past, which could be pro and it could be a con. Pro could be that he's he's seen how Charles works. He knows the potential that's there if he's given the resource and things around him, so that's good. Con might be that if he feels quite chummy with Fred, he might not bring the ruthlessness that we need from him to like you say whip that team into shape he might feel like he's just in quite a comfortable place whereas if somebody completely brand new comes in shall can be like right this is what i want from the get go bam 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 list is what he needs um so yeah we'll see but also I'm glad that they mentioned Carlos in here because, yeah, I feel like Carlos' season, although it started off pretty poorly with obviously everything that happened in Australia, becoming besties with a gravel trap on so many occasions and all of these other things, his second half of the season was great. And also the fact that, yeah, he wasn't afraid to bite back and call call the shots and that kind of thing. So well done, Carlos. It's just a shame that they had to be in that position in the first place.
3: Yeah, there's been moments we've not even mentioned that, the uh, in fact, they put him on Inter's, uh, Charles Leclerc on Inter's for for qualifying as well. And there were so many moments where you were just like, do Ferrari actively dislike Charles? Why is he the one getting screwed all the time? But I think a lot of it is like like we say, you know, Carlos was happy to fight back, and you're right. At the end of the season, you know, say say if Leclerc hadn't been through that, uh, we saw. I'm just remembering all these blunders now. And there was that, the one in Belgium, wasn't there, where uh, they messed up fastest lap and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so many, so many more moments than I even remembered. Now, just thinking back at it. But in the last race in Abu Dhabi, uh, Charles did, you know, get on the radio and be like, no, I need to stay out. This is what we're doing. And it got in P2. So, um, yeah, he definitely needs to do more of that
1: certainly does um Mm. i think that pretty much sums up all of the ferrari sadness in a good 10 15 minutes so enjoy that hopefully less less of that next year would be beautiful we now move on to talking about our best race of the season brazil
3: Mm. Mm, silverstone or for me it's I swear Brazil. we crowned
1: Brazil as the best race of the season, in-
3: and there's too much man in the middle. I think I think Brazil was the best weekend without without yeah, shadow of a doubt course, the best yes, weekend. It was more
1: the weekend, wasn't it? Because
3: the sprint was epic as well, and you mm-hmm. had Magnus on pole in qualifying. I don't think you can deny that um, Brazil was the the best weekend in terms of racing. I did really like. Saudi Arabia just yeah. for that battle with Leclerc unfortunately mm. ruined by the we've gone not even luckily this didn't happen too much at the end but the tv direction in that battle was absolutely appalling but thankfully well there was still some annoyance but never that bad again um for me Saudi Silverstone Brazil maybe Hungary I don't know there was a lot of good races to be I'm fair. I'm just there like quite, Silverstone. Quite no, season Koto is really good as well. <laughs> Silverstone's not my favorite. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: there, yeah, there there were I some think. there were some decent races, wasn't there? But
3: yeah, some pretty yeah, good races
1: for
2: Bahrain a season. Bahrain was decent.
3: Bahrain, we yeah, had it was the great.
2: Switching with Leclerc and Max at the front, and um, yeah, so. I'd say Bahrain gets a mention, but yeah, I think Saudi, it's unfortunate with Saudi because of obviously everything that was going on away from the racetrack, should we put it like that? Um, And, you know, there was even discussion, would we get the race in the first place? But yeah, it was a really good Grand Prix. um, Sort of a bit of everything in there. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I love a street circuit, so maybe I'll just stick with Saudi as my favourite race, but... Yeah, definitely okay. Brazil and Silverstone yeah. as well. They're I think
1: really realistically, realistically taking my Leclerc fanboyism out, yes, I think Silverstone had everything.
3: Um, mm. Brazil was close. Ball for the lead. The best weekend. Um, Battle yeah. for P2 at Silverstone was really good. Some of the best racing I've seen. Fair play to a season, and this goes back to the very original point about the has the regulations worked. for For a season that's been dominated by a single driver and won almost all the races, there's been probably like six or seven very good races, I'd say, Mm. which is is credit to the new regs, I'd say. Thank
1: goodness. Thank goodness. Otherwise, this wouldn't be a very good uh, season to reflect on. No. Um, But yeah, okay. Well, well, I'll go with the British Grand Prix. Um, It's... uh, yeah. Are we, are we all agreed with that then? I think best race weekend, 100 percent Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. Every, best race weekend I can remember in years, to be honest with you, because mm. it was just action throughout the entire weekend and sprint racing. Hey, look at you, look at you go, eh? Sprint racing. Whoop. Um Let's practice. Bring it on. <laughs> oh, <here we> <laughs>
3: had to get I'm it surprised you haven't
1: put a segment just to talk about. I hate practice. practice my three-word yeah. season review. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ah, oh, good stuff. Uh, question: Alfred Greenwoo nine. What was the most shocking, exciting
3: bit of the season? And I mean... shocking, shocking bad, Japan. Just the handling, the tractor. Of course, thing. yes. Shocking, yeah. shocking in terms of exciting. That battle for P two at Silverstone just some of the best racing i've ever seen and some will argue that it wasn't fair and people getting pushed off and they were too lenient on track limits i just think it was absolutely superb it gave so, as so good, good as they got right yeah. it was like it was just pure racing and it, it was the IndyCar racing that i've been dreaming of since saying on this podcast it's about 2019 that f1 needs to be more like IndyCar in terms of just let them push each other off it's fine yeah and uh, that's exactly what happened and it was brilliant
1: we get the yearly video go around, don't you, from Fuji, which I always bring up uh, when it was Massa and Kubitsa. was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fighting in them. the rain. And that is seen as such a like an epic battle because they're both just shoving each other off but giving as good as they get and it's kind of just seen as a, all right, fair enough. Like, it's not ridiculous. We're not talking shoving them in the wall but it was, you know, it's, it, that's the kind of epic stuff and again, Yes, track limits. But also everyone looks at that as an epic moment because of just how hard they were racing and Hamilton going through the amazing commentary. Yeah, that was a, that was a big moment that me and you, Tommy, experienced from the hotel room that we were doing hmm. our live Twitch watch-along. And we heard the noise from the crowd, didn't we? All the way from the, from our
3: hotel. Yeah, long way away.
2: Yeah. I would say, for me, the most shocking has to be the Joe well, just first lap of Silverstone. Like Mm. the fact that Joe getting flipped over, his roll hoop just being completely like sawed off with the contact on the floor. Thank goodness for the halo. And then, yeah, the fact that it rolled over, hit the catch fencing with the fans behind it. Like I still would have been just fearful for my life if I was one of the fans in that grandstand there. I mean, I was lucky enough to be the other side of the circuit in the international paddock bit watching it. And the fact that the uh, the cars are so loud, like we just didn't even see that happen. And it took for us to like realize, to zoom in on my phone, on my camera to go, oh my God, there's a car behind the barrier. Like it was just crazy. And then Alban obviously having his incident on that same lap and then protesters on the track as well. Like that just whole first lap of Silverstone was just insane. Um, and then in terms of exciting, bit of a vibe change, um, I really enjoyed watching Fernando's come back from doing his airborne wheelie to finishing. Was it P seven in the seven, end because he yeah. kept the pace? That was exciting to watch. Um, what about you guys? Have you got any other suggestions for well, some people? I'm my
1: my back most back. exciting moment of the year, hands down, has to be Nicholas Latifi going fastest in sector <laughs> one in
2: Hungary. Yes!
3: In yeah, Monday, that was good. 30th.
2: No, but Also, it was getting top of FP3.
3: Yeah, P1 in FP3 <laughs> no, was... no,
1: no, no. Purple <laughs> oh in God. Q1, sector one. Yeah, and then qualifying twentieth. That's one of my favorite moments of the year. By it, far. Was it was funny. done the I wrong way, way in an
2: escape. Uh, we um, didn't. On
3: escape we didn't get too many underdog moments with you know the whole podium thing. But I think obviously Magnuson getting pole is just insane to think. Like if I you'd have said at the start exciting. of the year, um it, I guess you could argue it's shocking as well. Like if you'd have told us that we'd get a Magnussen pole um mm. insane in a hat first you'd be like, wait, who's Magnussen driving for? Because he wasn't even there at the start yeah, of the year. Yeah. Which is wild to think about. That feels like forever ago. Um and then I will also throw into the mix that when Alonso got got P2 uh Canada, that yeah. was g- g- because that was just, you know, mm. just supreme driving and it was just epic when he was got out of the car and cheering and stuff. Um, yeah someone, someone made a good point the summer break was was sh- a shocking <laughs> bit of the season no one saw that coming in terms of just the absolute chaos of silly season if we're talking about off track yeah. moments yeah. one of the most insane shocking exciting silly seasons I've ever seen you know, if you'd have if you'd have looked at what the if you'd have said before Alonso moved that we're going to get Alonso in an Aston Martin Piastri in a McLaren Nick DeVries in an AlphaTauri I'd be like what on earth is going on Gasly at Alpine like no one (laughs) saw that coming absolutely insane so yeah
1: and and I mean the most shocking moment off track absolutely is that Piastri tweet you know, I think everyone yeah, was like, yeah. huh?
2: literally got on the phone to you, Matt. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> we need to get <laughs> on Twitch right now.
1: what? Yeah, and then we had the most insane live stream ever talking about that. And it was just, everyone was like, yo, what? Piastri's
2: told Alpine
1: that? <laughs> oh, it was brilliant. Um, yeah, definitely one of the most shocking things was that. Um, anything else that was exciting?
2: I mean, it was a Norris podium, which I feel like everyone forgets about in Imola.
3: Yeah, I mean, that was brilliant. That
2: was pretty good. So, yeah,
3: it's not so like, that he was yeah. the own only one, wasn't it? That yeah. um, that that got there. Um, yeah, I think I I'm still in terms of like shocking and exciting. I know we mentioned about being one of our favorite races, the the DRS chicken between Leclerc and Verstappen was mm. unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. It was it was so exciting. It was so bizarre to watch and it was it was obviously like controversial and divided a lot of people whether it was a good thing for f1 or it was a bad thing know, was it was it a bit farcical was it epic but it was it was unbelievable to watch i think we're
1: forgetting one shocking thing as well and that was red bull breaching the cost cap uh and yes max for catering as well uh <laughs> <for God's sake. laughs>
2: The, the cost Adrian, cap
1: and, like, and all that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Adrian Stewie still will like, night forever. Stewie! forgot
1: That's my
2: favourite thing to come out the whole season. Adrian
1: Stewie. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I think that's quite a few moments uh, that we've mm. had uh, mm. over, over this year. I wonder what next year uh, well, we'll, bring. we'll have in store for us. Uh, Team WCF1 member Oliver Buckers. Who were the most impressive and underwhelming teams this season? Uh, impressive... Would have to go to Alfa
3: Romeo. think they finished. Where they, well, they finished six, like. six which is impressive. Oh wow! I didn't actually. I don't think I quite computed that they finished on identical points, but they had better results. Um, yeah, that was the whole thing, wasn't it? Because yeah, because uh, Betel um, Racing, ricardo at the Vettel end, would've... was trying to get. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, yeah, people are
1: saying has but they finished eighth. Like, yeah, okay, they made a step forward, but my, I still feel like it was a missed opportunity,
3: considering Absolutely. where
1: they were at the start of the year and how f- mm. hard they, they fell could, off.
3: They could easily have been sixth, I'd say. Um, I guess, yeah, it's a difficult one because I guess Red Bull. We didn't expect Red Bull to maybe dominate quite as much. There's a lot of talk that they maybe put so much into. Twenty Twenty One to try and finally beat Mercedes that they wouldn't be the team that they'd be the ones playing catch up. And
1: it was Mercedes, uh, that fell off. and
3: it was Mercedes that fell off, uh, which I guess leads us on to underwhelming. Which surely Alpha uh, AlphaTauri oh, yeah. uh, is, is oh, one, yeah. but uh, you've you've got to go for Mercedes, surely, because I don't think any of us would have predicted that they they'd have third. only got one win and Hamilton would would not not win a race. <laughs> no, no one would predict Mercedes finishing third well not win a race think, as more as, well
2: as. <laughs> you're gonna live with this prediction for the end of time Absolutely, aren't you? <laughs> yes I, I literally got something
1: right for a change and i'm absolutely <laughs> milking it uh, and to be fair i did say that mercedes will definitely win a race at some point this year did i not and tommy were like no and it's it can't happen now like what's it when's it gonna happen there's only four or five races to go boom george russell enters the chat so i look i just I, I i believed in them Tommy's stifling telling me to F off, I think, at this point. But uh, <laughs> look, it, I'm just enjoying I'm uh, getting frank something right then. for a change. Um, yeah, stroke Frank, it's okay. You, you won the championship, Tommy. It's fine.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I won the championship.
2: Yes.
1: I
3: was the star of the show. Yeah, um, yeah it's got to be, I think, underwhelming. Mac- McLaren also McLaren. underwhelmed. If you've got to think that that there was talk that could they. Could they be in the mix of those top top teams and ended up, you know, nearly four hundred really? points behind second? Are we seeing uh, your alpine merch?
2: I was going to say, how's the yeah,
3: alpine? I know merch going on? I'm going to <laughs> get some in the black Black Friday, so yeah, we'll get that okay. some kind of end of season thing. How how many? How about year?
2: for the next podcast?
3: How many pieces of merch are we talking?
2: The whole outfit, two or three.
3: No. What do you mean no? I <laughs> mean I'm no. <laughs> three pieces I'm of not merches. getting a hot water bottle or anything. Like I've got. <laughs>
1: Yes, you can sleep with Alonso at night. That'll be lovely, <laughs> won't it? That's
2: Tommy's dreams right there. Yeah, it
3: literally is probably. Um, uh, not yeah, denying it, maybe... right? Um... Oh, there you go. Awesome. Hot water bottles
1: soon come. Lovely. Uh... Right. Uh, have we covered that? I think we have. I think yeah. we have. Yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah. I don't want to talk about Tommy betting Alonso anymore. Please, can we change the subject?
1: <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, oh, we've got to pick one highlight of the season. Oh, goodness. I have definitely prepared this one. Um, okay, my highlight of the season is Leclerc leading the championship after three rounds by 43 points at the end. That's nice. where the championship ended. It was three, it was a three in race your season. heart. And yeah, I, th- I think Leclerc winning the first race of the season felt like it was, I was like, oh my God, we're here. Oh, it, Ferrari won two. What's going on? Um, and that I want to capture that moment forever because it didn't last long
2: that is fair oh highlight! i mean i just feel like i'm gonna repeat something that i've already said so i want to come up with something better but i haven't really thought of anything we kind of covered everything
3: good. i think we covered everything in the yeah. moment didn't we like most shocking or exciting it's hard to uh, like a personal highlight you know nick de vries
2: nick de getting a point there you go or two points
1: Tell me your oh, form we haven't that. mentioned Tell me that. So we we haven't mentioned it. Fair <laughs> play. It might not be
2: my highlight of the season, but
1: it is... It, it's a highlight. <laughs> uh,
2: it's a highlight and we haven't talked about it. So there we go. Yeah,
1: so look, I'm letting my bias pick my one highlight here, which is about Leclerc. It's fine. If you want to do something about Estee Besti, that's okay. Maybe him beating Alonso in the championship. There you go. He beat Fernando Alonso, a two-time world champion, potentially the greatest of the first Fernando's
2: washed, so I'm kidding. Wow. <laughs> um, um, that was a joke before the yeah, Alonso starts to come after me. That, no, 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 please. I love him. Tommy will be clear. Not as much as Tommy. His
3: Alonso burner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one, one highlight of the season. It's gotta be maybe Magnus and Powell because it's just so mm. unbelievable that a got pole. Um or Alonso's Peter in Canada, or the Saudi battle. I'm glad you picked. Yeah. I, said, I, said I one can't. Not three. One moment. Okay. I'm going to go for Verstappen, Leclerc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to go for Verstappen and Leclerc, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. The final lapse of that was incredible. And I think it was just, it, it set up not only uh, an exciting season that we, unfortunately didn't have but in terms of like a future between those two and i hope we see a lot more of it because it was incredible fair fair racing and just one of the most insane things i've ever seen that whole drs chicken thing it was i was up on my feet like it's one of those like where you stand up uh mm. from the sofa and get right really close to your telly and just shouting at the tv it was mad yeah it was brilliant I think at the time I was like, Oh,
1: this DRS chicken thing, I'm not sure if it's I've changed my mind. I want to see it. Every I thought it was year. a bit
2: dangerous at the time. I was
1: yeah. like, it, yeah, it, it was a little bit dangerous. Mm. And I think we kind of assessed it that way. But when you actually look at the drama and the 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 the, the vibes that it gave us when we were watching, it was yeah, uh, amazing. It was sensational to watch. Bettle led a lap
2: as well at one point. Don't forget about that. In Kota. Bettle had a what? He led a lap.
1: He did at lead one point. a lap.
2: So that um, was nice. Maybe not the yeah. highlight of the whole season, but
1: I think I <laughs> Mick Schumacher led for yep, half a tenth 0.1 of a
2: second yeah that That's was true. good
1: that was in Japan wasn't it I think it was yeah on his, hard, was, yeah. On his wet tires to stay out there and forever and also we didn't even mention there's the shocking moment Verstappen and Hamilton crashing in Brazil uh, that was uh, of course another shocking moment was, uh, was it shocking? yeah <laughs> <laughs> wasn't surprising the most uh, definitely uh, incident happening of the year goes to uh, Verstappen and Hamilton making contact okay Big shout out now to Laura Barrera who has tallied up our WTF one podcast predictions and the results they are in in fourth place because there's myself, Katie, Tommy, and the fans in fourth place. There'll be no surprise to see Tom Bellingham with nine and a half points. Congratulations, Tommy, for finishing Thank fourth. You. in third place, me, whatever, 11 don't care. Um, it's in, in second place. You would think the fans have a, a, you know, they get three predictions every single week, but the fans came in in second with 11 and a half points, which means the winner with 13 and a half points. She said for half the season, we'd just go racing. And those were the predictions she made. (laughs) 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 Now, well done. You're like
2: Kanye West trying to take over (laughs) Taylor Swift's speech.
1: (laughs) Katie, congratulations on winning the prediction uh, 2022 Championship.
3: So many uh, of Katie's prediction points came in like quite a last. quick spell at the end. Yeah. yeah. Where she was just Killed absolutely me. Yeah, you you're getting loads in from weather delays, fans dressed up in things. Yeah, it was Ricardo Cowboy hat, you absolutely smashed it at the end and yeah, ended Killed up well clear. It's actually funny because Laura's put uh together um I think you even alluded to this one. There's there's some relevant information for some of them. And uh there, there's some amusing moments that. Please read some. Uh, I, out. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, for the predictions of the Miami Grand Prix, Matt tried to argue that science getting hit in the head uh, and having an incident in uh well, What, 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 free what, what practice. was the prediction first? What was Count, the prediction first? That the, the counts as science having a bad weekend. Uh, Tommy and Katie. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy and Katie disagreed since he got on the podium. No points. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, there was, um, Tommy tried to change his Mercedes win prediction live. It was shameless. No points <laughs> were given. Uh, what was that for? That was, Which uh, race? Uh, what race was that? It was, as I'm trying to go across to see, it was France. Oh, yeah, because people thought poor Ricard was going to be a good one. um, oh, Tommy. Matt tries to get half a point for his Leclerc prediction. Last time I checked, P2 is not getting pole.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was so close, good. I think.
3: I think it was a few thousand. Yeah, thousands. it was. Um,
2: These are amazing.
3: My 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 highlight of the season was the one where uh, I made the podium prediction for one point, was challenged to give the actual order, uh, and got two points. Yeah, that um, was amazing. And then I ruined it because the next one, it says, Tommy tried the biggest stretch of the season saying George collided. Uh, this was my prediction was Russell will be involved in another collision. And I said that uh, George collided with his engineer for the strategy and asked for <laughs> half a point. <laughs> Which we give no one given.
2: Oh, no, do we not give that to
3: him? Absolutely Jeez. not.
2: These are so good.
3: Yeah, there's some there's any, some funny stuff in there. I'm enjoying uh, this. Matt said the Honda sticker counted as a special livery. Half <laughs> a point you. was given. Was I can't believe we yeah, gave absolutely. half a point for that one. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's most of it. Yeah, that's, uh, there's Beautiful. some good things in there. Thank you, the uh, Laura. Thank you, Claire. Laura. Thank you, Laura, for that. Thanks, um, Laura.
1: And congratulations, Katie. Uh, any speech? Uh, I've seen a Twitch chat asking for a speech. So. Uh, what do you want to say to uh, all the fans out there?
2: Um, thank you all for your support in tagging me in things that happened that I said, like the drivers in full race suits, Ricardo with a hat, <laughs> um, the go-kart and spa. I think the go-kart and spa has to be the best prediction of the year. Um, when that Zoom
1: came in, I was absolutely fuming. We, me I and was, Tommy were live on uh, Twitch for the race. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, for." god oh no they're zooming in as well we couldn't even argue that it was like because we said didn't we in the podcast no it has to be a proper zoom in of the the racing and lo and behold
2: there oh, it was thank you thank you tv direction the best 10 quid i ever spent no i'm joking, i did uh. not pay the tv direction to show that but yeah so that was awesome but yeah thanks guys that's
1: well done well done. next
2: year try and defend my crown
1: you will indeed, right? That is pretty much it for the end of season review podcast. I'm sure there'll be plenty of stuff that you go, "Why
2: didn't you talk about this?" Why did I
1: mean it's not a twelve hour podcast, uh, and <laughs> we still have lots to reflect on. As we will be doing another podcast uh, for the ABCDEF one driver ratings to look at it Ooh, as okay. a whole. What's of the course, we
2: did first a... and last.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: um, yeah, that's. But... Probably the most predictable 20 and first, but the the middle has got some surprises. So, yeah, because we did change halfway one. through the
1: season. Let's see how it changed uh, come the end. Uh, yes, yeah, so we'll discuss more in depth each driver's season then. So, look forward to that. Uh, thank you to everyone on Twitch watching us live, WTF One Official, if you don't follow us already. Thank you, audio listeners. It's been a pleasure, as always, to have us in your ears. And if you're watching on video on YouTube, Again, lots of love. It's been a pleasure to bring you every single one of these race podcasts. And I, I'm going to class this one as kind of a race podcast because we've been talking you about the You have said races.
2: race review a few times.
1: Um, yeah, I have. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's been awesome to bring you these podcasts. Uh, we've genuinely enjoyed every single moment. Uh, I feel like next year, I need to stretch more for these half a points just so that we can get more Laura comments of, um, absolutely. of things that we've tried that are absolutely ridiculous. Um, but that is awesome. Uh, plenty of stuff to reflect on on ABCDF1 and we've got other podcasts coming as well so don't worry the content does not end here just because there's 97 days to go until the next race thank you everybody hashtag WTF1 podcast if you want to get involved in the discussion uh, thank you to Elgato for sponsoring this podcast and that is it
3: goodbye everybody bye with LinkedIn Jobs we tap
2: into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily
0: for any role you need